Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to Second Wind. You are talking this to Joyce Buford, or you are listening. You're not talking to me. To You're listening to Joyce Buford, who I have the founder, being the pleasure of the founder of Joyce Buford Empowers, and I work with women in transition, transitioning from a divorce, death of a mate, change of any life, change of a job, anything that we go through that affects our lives so much that it shakes our foundations, and we began needing to put ourselves back together, but not the same way we were. It's more about recreating that life that gives us fullness and pleasure and happiness. So I'm so glad you're here today because if you have been fortunate to have listened to a previous recording, our guest today is Stefan Gonick, and he is a soulmate mentor, EFT practitioner, which he will explain, and founder of the Soulmate Attraction Academy. Stefano has been helping individuals and couples with their relationship issues for over 24 years. Awesome. Stefano has helped thousands of people have the life and love they most desired. Now, Stefan was on Second Wind. Uh, previously, and we had such a great talk about the reason you haven't found your soulmate yet and how to attract love now. And so I just, I, I just had to ask him to come back and do another one. This is such a big topic. You know, over 50% of all marriages end in divorce and, and a high percentage of those that do not end in divorce end up in a quiet, silent, matter of existence not happy this it's percentages of, of a truly happy marriage is very low now stefan and i have met each other through emotional feeling technique um training session in 2013 so I was aware of his work, but I was not aware of how beneficial this was for me, even in listening to this previous uh, podcast. So I encourage you to share, to go to Stefan's website and to become more familiar with this man. So today we're going to be talking about create harmony and great love in marriages and relationships. So knowing the importance and the knowledge this man has, 
to offer you. I really want to jump right in to the interview with Stefan. Now, Stefan, I am so happy that you're back with us today. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be back today. <laughs> I just felt that the the previous show was just so beneficial and it was just amazing what you shared with us how old are how we remarry our parents and at the time I can promise you there was no way in my mind that I was doing that um you know this man was totally different my husband at the time was totally different from my father who my father was a strong influence and many similarities. So I just found the first uh, show so enlightening. I mean, what great information. But now my guest will be in that relationship and maybe need some skills that can save the relationship and make it grow deeper and, and more valuable for that couple. So tell us where we are. All right. So as you said, the statistics for marriages are unfortunately pretty poor. Um, yes. You know, half of all marriages end in divorce, and then half of the people who stay married are pretty unhappy, mm-hmm. which means that only 25% of marriages are happy and successful. And that's sort of both discouraging and incur- and encouraging in the same time for me anyway. Yeah. Discouraging that 75% of people are unhappy, but 25% is a big enough number that's like, all right, if it was only like 3% of marriages were happy or 5% of marriages were happy, then we feel like this incredibly unique thing that very few people get to experience. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I would just give up. That'd be just mm-hmm. too small. But 25% is like, okay, there's a pretty large subgroup here that's doing fine. So how do I get into that 25% group? Right. What does it yeah. take to get there? It's not yes. totally out of the realm of possibility. But the tricky thing is, is that the suffering that people experience in their marriages or in serious relationships, uh, what the, or I should say the sources of that suffering, what's causing the problems in their marriage, is something that most people really don't understand very well. And if you don't know what's causing the problem, it becomes very hard to address it. Like, what do you yes. do? Yes, right. Now, usually what you hear about, you know, how to have a more harmonious, happy marriage or relationship is, you know, communication techniques, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the biggest, you'll hear this truisms a lot. Like, well, the biggest problem in marriages is, you know, lack of good communication. And if you go to a couple's counselor, usually the very first thing they do is they try and teach you communication skills. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> yeah. Now, <laughs> communication skills are important. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lack a lack of those skills does make situation worse but i guarantee you you could be an expert communicator you know you could be the person who teaches these communication skills right (laughs) yes yeah and and your partner as well and what you'll find if you don't address the true sources of of the pain in in marriages and relationships is that you're going to be using those communication skills a lot right yes so the communication skills are more of a coping strategy than something that's truly addressing what's really going on here. Ah. Because what's really – so, yeah, so that's the thing. So, I mean, cer- certainly good to learn communication skills because it is helpful yeah. to be able to talk yeah. through upsets yeah. and everything. So it's a good thing. It's just mm-hmm. far from sufficient. Right. So – which is why a lot of couples who go to con- uh, counseling still, you know, 
still managed for to years. stay in marriage. For years. Yeah, they might I do it for years. I think we went right. to three different counselors and never, never did they talk about my previous, our partners or where we learned some of the skills that we were working with. Never. So this is just amazing to me and enlightening that there, there's a lot going on to help fam- marriages out there heal. Couples That's heal. right. So what's really going on is that the person that we think that we're in a relationship with is not actually the person we're in a relationship with, which sounds a little weird, right? Yes, it So does. here we are married. Let's say it's a woman married to a guy named uh, John, right? Uh-huh. So and let's call her Linda. We have Linda and John married. So Linda, of course, is going to view herself as being in a relationship with John. And yes, yeah. she is in a relationship with John. But when she's having trouble in her relationship, the trouble she's having is much less about John than stuff from her own childhood. And the, and same for him. Yeah. So when you have all these things that come up in your marriage as causing strife and pain and things like that, it seems very much like it's the other person, but that's not actually what's going on. And uh-huh. if, you, if you look at most marriages, you'll find that they, there's a certain couple of fights that they go through forever, like over and yeah. over and over again. They go through the same fight, the same upset, the same dynamic, whatever you want to call it. It just keeps repeating. And they uh-huh. never seem to be able to resolve it. They never, able, they never seem to be able to you know, do something good about it so it doesn't keep happening. They just, they seem to be stuck in this pattern of repeating the same upset forever. Or the same upset. So it could be more than one of them. Right. And so this, this is where we have to figure out what's really going on here. Right. So there's, there's two sources or two categories of sources really. So the first one is when we're growing up, we grow, our parents have a set of both positive traits and negative traits. Uh-huh. Um, now, these positive negative traits determine who we're attracted to on the yeah. one hand. So I'm about to say something that's going to sound very scary and discouraging, <laughs> um, but, I, but I'm going I'm I'm to have a way to resolve this. So I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, to, and I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm about to scare you, um, but I'm going to then we're going to we're going to address it. So just, you know, if you start getting like, uh oh, oh. Weak knees. <laughs> yeah, just try and uh, just kind of put the fear aside temporarily, knowing that I've got a way to to deal with it and I'll <laughs> take care of it. Yes. Okay. Okay. We're with you. We're here. All right. So here's the thing. When we're growing up, we form this subconscious um, image of who we're going to be attracted to as an adult based on the strongest traits of our parents, both positive and negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say, for instance, a woman had a father who was smart and funny and playful. Those are his positive traits. But he also tended to be very emotionally unavailable, just not there emotionally. And so, you know, a girl growing up in that environment as an adult would be attracted to men who are smart, funny, playful. That part's fine. And then also, mm-hmm. unfortunately, emotionally unavailable. So yeah. most of us will find ourselves in relationships with, with somebody who has the positive traits of our parents, but also the most painful traits of our parents. This is where I'm going to scare you, right? It's like, mm-hmm. uh-oh, I'm, here I am married to somebody who has the worst trait of my 
mother or father. It doesn't have to be father, by the way. It can be either parent. And this is also true for, you know, gay and lesbian people and things like that. Right. Because it's really gender nonspecific. Right. So we have whatever trait was the most painful trait that we grew up with, unfortunately, that's the one we tend to be drawn to the strongest in our partners. And then, bam, we find ourselves there again, which is why we keep having that repeating fight, that repeating upset. Is it's because it's based on this negative trait happening. Okay. Interestingly, yeah, I have though, to ask you a question, Stefan. Sure. I huh? that trait, and I'm thinking of my my relationship, my marriage, which is now divorced. I never saw that trait. I mean, it might have been there, and as the marriage went on, and it really reared its ugly head in year eight, nine, ten, and on up to twenty-three years. So, why is it that I don't see that trait when I'm in yeah. this strong grip of love? Yeah. So, that's a great question. So, this is this stuff is a little bit to this. So, there's a there's a few different things to explain. Okay. So the first one is it's a subconscious attraction. See, when we grew up with a negative trait, we're so used to it. It feels so much like home that mm-hmm. in some ways we don't even notice it, mm-hmm. right? For some, some people, they don't, they don't even notice it because, it's, like I say, it just feels like home. So it's right. there, um, and they're not even that aware of it. Some people are aware of it, but, again, they're so tolerant of it. They're so used to it that even though they're aware of it, in a way, it's sort of like they're semi-aware. Like, yeah, it's there, but I'm also kind of in denial at the same time, right? It's like I'm not yes. fully fully acknowledging its presence. Yeah. The other thing is, is that in the very beginning, when you meet somebody, people are on their best behavior, so they're they're trying to be as you know loving, attentive, and and behaving as well as possible, like during right. the, their the original dating phase, and lots of times. Um, the person's truest nature doesn't show up until after they get married, right? When ah. we get married, a psychological shift takes place where all of a sudden we, we revert to behaving like we did in our family. Yes. Even for people who've done a lot of, done a lot of uh, personal growth, the right. day they get married, all of a sudden it all shifts and they, and they change. And a lot of people have noticed that when they got married. It's like, wow, like from the day we got married on, you know, my husband started, he changed. He acted differently. Right. Of course, what right. we're not aware of is that we do the same thing. Right. We also <laughs> act differently. It's always him. We're just right? not. <coughs> always him, right. <clears throat> so we both do it. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why you don't notice it. Like you might be dating somebody for two or three years before you get married and you're not really noticing it. And it doesn't show up until after you get married. And the longer you're married, the more it comes out. But there's another thing that happens the longer you're married. And this is a thing that's a little subtle. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's also the thing that where this is where the most uh, hope can come from, too. So I want you to really, like, try and get this one. Mm-hmm. And that is, when we grow up with a negative trait, we experience that negative behavior hundreds of times with our parents. And because we experience, we have that painful experience so many times, the end result, by the time we're an adult, is we become super, super sensitive to anything that even vaguely re- reminds us of that negative experience as a child. Mm-hmm. And we become very overreactive in our behavior so that we inadvertently behave in a way that pushes our partner into doing that negative trait more. 
than they would otherwise do it. So, for instance, let's say you had an emotionally unavailable parent at a 9 out of 10 scale. Mm-hmm. And lots of, time, lots of times we get attracted to somebody who's got the same trait but not as bad as our parent's version of it, right? So yeah. our parent was a 9 and our partner maybe was a 5. So uh-huh. it's still there, but it's not as bad. But because of this phenomenon, I'm just saying, this oversensitivity thing and this overreactivity thing, we can behave in a way that will push them into acting more like that trait. So let me give you a, a good example of that. Yeah. Let's say a woman, like I said, I'll go back to the example we had. She, her dad was smart, funny, playful, and emotionally unavailable. Now, let's say this woman, through luck or vigilance or something, managed to find a guy who was very emotionally available, right? Yes. The opposite. So she's thrilled, like, yay, I got this guy who's very loving and emotionally available. is great, right? Now, in any relationship, there's two normal needs that we all have, which is a need for together time and a need for separate time. Yes. Now, the ratio of how much together time and separate time the members of a couple might need may not be the same. They may not match. But in this example, we're going to make them match. The only thing that doesn't match is the timing. Right? They won't always want to be together or separate at the same time. Mm-hmm. So let's say um, this woman uh, you know, wants to get together and, and do something special on a certain day. And ask her husband that. And for whatever reason, he there's something else he really wanted to do that day. Now, if she didn't have this issue, she would be disappointed, but also fine. Like, okay, we'll do it some other time. But because she had that all these experiences of her father being emotionally unavailable, the fact that he wasn't physically available on that particular day that she really wanted to do something with him um, will trigger that old pain, right? It'll rebuild. Mm reminder of his her dad's emotional unavailability it'll trigger the old pain and she will then overreact and she might overreact by getting needy and clingy like oh can't you can't we please do it can't you do this this project you want to do some other day and like uh you like you like uh hiking right so let's let's go hiking you know let's do something you like we can do whatever you want i just want to be together right so she might get needy or she might get angry like okay fine do whatever you know do that your damn project you know whatever (laughs) yeah right so but whatever she does whichever way she does this this overreaction it's going to feel bad to her partner and he's going to he might you know kind of really go out of his way to try and reassure her that he loves her she's important to him da 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 um he may even give in and be with her on a day that he wants to do some separate which doesn't feel good or he might stick to his guns and do his own thing but the end result is going to, he's going to have a little bit of a leftover negative feeling from the experience. So next time they interact, he's going to be just a little reserved. Mm-hmm. And not in, a per, not in a permanent way, just, just because he just recently had a bad experience. So he's going to be a little reserved, holding back a little bit. Well, his little bit of a reserve, oh, and you know, as long as he just continued to do stuff, the reserve would melt away and he'd be back to open hearted and loving again. Right. But, as soon as she notices that he's a little reserved, right, she's super sensitive to anything that even hints at the old pain, she's going to overreact again. So she might, he's a little reserved. She might look at him and go, all right, what's wrong? There seems to be some, something wrong. He's like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, 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 I can tell. There's something wrong. I really need you to tell me what's wrong. She might start getting, like, really distant. Yeah. Or she might, or she might get hurt or she might start a fight or she might um, distance herself or something. But she'll, she will overreact in a way that's, again, going to feel bad to him. 
and it's going to mm-hmm. make him start to pull back again. And it becomes this vicious cycle that keeps escalating more and more and more until finally this super loving, emotionally available guy has now become, you know, really emotionally distant and very reserved mm-hmm. and very, mm-hmm. dis- you know, held back and all this stuff. And she's managed to, unfortunately, recreate her childhood here with this guy who was nothing like her father. Or maybe he was a milder version of her father, but she made him to be just as bad as her father by these, these overreactions. Right. And this is something that we all do. Every one of us do this. I can confidently say that, that I know that I did it. Um, uh-huh. I know that everybody on this who's listening to this does it because it's a universal human phenomenon. We all do yeah. This is the thing. This is one of the two kinds of things that really messes us up because over time it can really create a lot of unhappiness in the marriage. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you can communicate till you're blue and it's not going to help. I think you can see right. that now. The communication helps soothe what's happening, helps you come back together, but it's going to just happen again. And each time it happens, right. it just creates just a, a little bit bigger wedge between the two people until you yes. start hearing this thing about it. There's just, you know, it's just, I still love her, but I'm not in love. There's been too much water under the bridge. Da, da, da. You know, right. That's, you definitely start hearing that kind of stuff. Right. So this has to be addressed. And the good news is, is that it's very addressable. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not for that. It's, yes. The here's what's going on. I have to ask this. That division that that starts to grow between a couple and gets huge, that is how can you turn I mean, how can you start working with a couple? Is there can you start working with a couple or can you just work with one and not the other? But how do you lessen or start shrinking that big void well that's just it this is you you there's certainly some couple couples work you can do to repair the pain of of what's happening you know that too much water under the bridge thing there's stuff you can yeah. do as a couple yeah. to reconnect on a deep level so you can do couples work that helps bring the couple back together but unless you address this underlying thing with the painful experiences of the parent the mm-hmm. couple will be, you know, be so thrilled that they're back together, but then they'll gradually go back apart again. Oh, yeah. The underlying thing hasn't been addressed, right? Right. So the, the ultimate solution is, is actually the one-on-one healing. So what's going on here is a couple things. You know, I talked about being overly sensitive and overly reactive. But we yeah. need to understand, you know, what's, what's really going on there to begin with. Mm-hmm. So when, when a parent does a negative trait over and over to us, in addition to becoming oversensitive and overreactive, what's going on for the little young child is that they're having this very painful experience with the parent, and all children desperately want their parents' love. So yeah. they are going to get into that place of, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this painful thing, and I want my parent to love me instead. Right. Yes. So I'm having this painful thing that is happening and the love that isn't happening. And then I get hooked into this perpetual need of trying to win back the parent's love. Right. That's the thing that kind of hooks us and makes us overreact. Yeah. And so what, what we need to do is, is address both sides of that. We need to release the pain of the parent's negative trait mm-hmm. and then help the inner child Feel the love that was missing. Mm-hmm. 
And if you do those two things and you address a few representative memories, that's all it takes if you mm-hmm. use the right uh, method. Right. Uh, my, now, my, I, I have I a question, but I don't want to, I don't want to knock you off where you're going or disturb your pattern here, but I would like to know if this was happening in my childhood. It's sim, this happened in my relationship, but it also happens in a lot of relationships that are in trouble. And you okay. see it in many books that are written about women mm-hmm. talking about they lose their voice in the situation. Yeah. And if if this is indeed a replay of our childhood, would that have also happened? I know a child many times doesn't even have the voice to speak against yeah. a strong parent. So how, how would you, is it because, I don't, can you give some insight on this? Sure. Um, you're absolutely right. When, it, when a young child, say five years old, because remember our life issues are all in place by the time we're seven. Yeah. Right? So these painful interactions with our parent, by the time we're seven, it's, there it is. It's all done. You know, it might mm-hmm. keep going on until we're 18 and move out of the house, but those first seven years are our formative years. Right. And when we're that little, we are powerless. So it's yes. a very, when we're experiencing the parent's negative trait, right? Yes. Um, it's not just, I mean, what you're saying is actually really important. It's, it's not just the pain of what happened and the missing love, but it's also the, the disempowerment. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. The disempowerment causes us to deep down feel like we deserve to be treated this way. As uh-huh. much as how, no matter how painful it is, or how, how much we hate it, deep down we come to believe we deserve to be treated this way. And it makes us very tolerant of it as an adult. Yes. Um, overly tolerant. At the same uh-huh. time, it is this old source of pain so that it's, it's kind of a weird mixed bag. We become overly tolerant of it, which means that we uh, you know, are slow to stand up for ourselves. So we're not, mm-hmm. see, the thing is, is that we're not addressing it with our partner in a healthy way. We're addressing it in this overreactive way that makes it worse. Yes. Right. Yeah. Ideally, what we want to be able to do is stand up for ourselves and put out our needs clearly and have boundaries. Like, it's not okay to do this to me. Yes, this is what I need right. from you instead, things like that. But it's super right. hard to do that. Right. Because as soon as the person does something that reminds us of our parent, we go back to being a little five-year-old kid. Yes. <laughs> so, and we lose all of our adult strength. So, yes. what, we, what we need, to, what we need to do, like I said, is is use a method that helps us quickly relieve the pain of what we experienced from the parents' trait when we were, say, five. Yeah. Help us regain our voice and stand up uh-huh. for ourselves, uh-huh. and then receive the love that was missing. Awesome. Okay, now, Stefan, we are going to go to a break, and this is a great time to break because who wouldn't want to come back and find the solution, hear the solution, because Stefan has really covered a lot of exact things that happen in a marriage or in a relationship that just doesn't work anymore. So when we come back after break, Stefan is going to give us the solution so that we can either contact him or begin healing. We'll know the steps to healing. So we'll be back shortly, and Stefan will share his knowledge. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford 
The author of Effortless Happiness continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. We are talking today with Stefan Gonick, and he is a soulmate mentor. Now, you will remember before we went to break that we were talking about the solutions to the different childhood pains that we are reliving in our marriages, in our relationships. So, Stefan, I am ready to share the solution. I want to get this on. I want to be out of this pain. And I know there are people out there listening that are anxious to hear as well. Yeah. All right. So let me actually was starting to explain and I realized that I need to back up a little bit. Um, okay. I, I, I gave you an overview already, right? That you want mm-hmm. to address the pain of what happened. You know, uh-huh. it, you know the pain of the, of the negative trait that you experienced growing up. You know, which might be emotionally unavailable, it might be ang- you know, anger issues, you know, father or mother who blows up all the time in anger. It might be, you know, having a parent who is frequently critical and judgmental. Could be a parent who is needy all the time. You feel like you have to take care of them and therefore your needs don't count. There's a lot of different negative traits. Mm-hmm. Um, in each case, in each case, we want to do three things. We want to release the pain of that, of what happened, you know, experiencing that trait, being on the receiving end of the trait. Yes. We want to be able to re- regain our power, and then we want to receive the love that was missing. And this is what heals it and uh, resolves it so that you no longer get hooked by your partner. You stop mm-hmm. doing things that, that push your partner into behaving in the same painful way your parent did. So it, even if just one person of the couple does this, um, the, the marriage gets way better because one person stops getting triggered. And yeah. not only do they stop getting triggered, but they stop triggering their partner. Yeah. Of course, it's best when both, both people do it. But even if just one person does it, it has a huge, uh, makes a huge difference, huge improvement in the marriage or relationship. Now, what to do. Can I, 
is fairly Stephen, straight. Can I ask you one more question? You just it is just burning in my brain right here. You said okay, sure. love the love that had gone or disappeared. Is love really gone or is it just covered up with all the emotion the the stuff, the trash that has happened between the couple? Has it really well, I think gone? It gets covered over. Right? Yeah. If you yeah. keep having painful experiences with somebody that never get resolved, it starts to gradually drive a, w- a wedge between you. Yeah. And you get this accumulation of painful experiences, and it makes it harder to be open-hearted with each other and loving. Yes, yes. And so you hear people yeah. say, we drifted apart, we fell out of love. You know, that's how they experience it, but what's really going on is this other thing. Yes. And their childhood pain keeps flaring up in the marriage, and it's unresolvable. Uh, right. by communication techniques, right? So it's, yeah. it just, that's the thing that's creating all this distance. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you. I just, um, needed that yeah, answer. No, no problem. Okay. So there are different, so there, I already mentioned the three things to do release the pain, stand up for ourselves, and reclaim our power and get the love that was missing. Yeah. That's when we're five. Now there's traditional ways of doing this, traditional therapy. And then mm-hmm. there's uh, this special way to do it. <clears throat> I remember back in my late 20s, my therapist, my traditional therapist, helped me with this kind of thing. And it took three years to help me <laughs> um, heal that wound around my mother's negative trait so that it no longer caused me to be attracted to somebody with that trait and no longer caused um, all these problems in my relationship, mm-hmm. which was a, th- a thrilling outcome on the one hand. Like, wow, yay. <laughs> Such an incredible relief. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, three years is, is a really long time. Yes, know? it is. But back then I thought that was just that that's just how long therapy takes. It takes a long time. Yeah. So and gradual. Yeah. Okay. But luckily, um, there's some new what you can call power therapies that have um, have appeared that um are incredibly faster. Yes. Um so there's a particular uh, technique called uh, the emotional freedom technique, or EFT, the initials. Uh, lots of people call it tapping. It involves mm-hmm. tapping with your fingertips on some acupuncture points in your face and body. That can, uh, you can think of it as like a, a form of emotional acupuncture. Well, there's no needle, just tap with your fingers, to rapidly release emotional pain. And I mean like really rapidly. So I'll give you an example. The way I, I, I gave you the outline already, the three things you have to do, you need to, you, what you do is you pick representative young memories of your parent doing the negative trait on you, right? So the emotionally unavailable, whatever it is. And using EFT or tapping, you only have to heal like three or four memories. And mm. usually only, it usually only takes around one to two sessions per memory. So you can you can heal this whole thing, you know, in, in just a very short number of sessions. Um, typically, our, our marriage is plagued by one, two, or three negative traits of our parents that keep replaying in the marriage. Yes. So if, if you think, okay, let's say it's going to be around four sessions, four-ish, mm-hmm. per negative trait, so if there's one, it'd be around four-ish. If there's two, it'd be around eight sessions. You know, around, if there's three, it'd be around 12 sessions. But four, 
you know, we're talking one month, two months, three months, right? So mm-hmm. it's not it's not years. It's the time frame is is like that. It's, it's mm-hmm. dramatically shorter, right? So, which is you know, it's it's an incredible development. Uh, yes, in the world of healing. <laughs> yeah. So the, of course that's a technique I use. I, I wish to God that my therapist had had it back in the eighties <laughs> when I was <laughs> going through this myself. Mm-hmm. Because it wouldn't have taken me three years. I would have loved to have <laughs> condensed that thing, whole thing into three months instead of three years. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is, you know. But now it's something that we can do. So right. this is short term, a short term process, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. However, this is only one of the uh, two main causes. So you probably want to spend a little time on the second one. But the, the good news, like I said, you know, I told you I was going to scare you, then give you hope. As far <laughs> as this negative trait thing goes, right, uh-huh. the, uh, this can heal it in a very short period of time so that it stops being a factor in your marriage, which is fantastic and amazing. So that's one big thing. So now let's start looking at, okay, so what are the other things that may be coming, uh, you know, affecting your marriage that, again, have unfortunately nothing to do with your partner? Even though your partner, you know, it's kind of like you're putting them into the role. Mm-hmm. So, and, and what this is, is when we grew up, in addition to this negative trait thing, um, there's other experiences that we can have in our family, and even outside of our family, actually, that cause us to have fears and limiting beliefs around intimacy itself. Right? There's mm-hmm. things about being intimate that get scary yes. as a result of all these experiences we had. So I'll give you an example. There's two universal fears that we all have at least one of these two fears. Sometimes we have both. And that's the fear of abandonment, you know, the fear mm-hmm. of being abandoned, or the fear of being engulfed. So engulfed, you can call it you know, engulfed, invaded, controlled, things like that. Abandoned, of course, is you know, either being left or rejected, mm-hmm. right? Because those are both two ways to be abandoned. Yes. So these are, everybody can relate to those two fears. Some people, unfortunately, get to have both of those fears, which makes it a little bit harder even because they interlock them. Um, and that's just one example, those two fears. So I'll give you an example of one of my fears that made a problem for me. It actually wasn't a fear. It was a belief, a negative belief. Uh-huh. The negative belief I had before I got married was that I had this belief that it, when I got married – um, I would immediately have to do everything my wife wanted me to do, and I mm-hmm. couldn't do anything that she, she did not want me to do. So if there's something I wanted to do and she didn't want me to do that, then, oh, that, that's it. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. But I, was, I would be fully controlled. Right. Not because, she was, not because my wife was a controlling person, but just right. because that's just the way I thought marriage was supposed to be, that you know, the husband is just supposed to do whatever the wife says, even if she says it very mildly and gently. Right. Mm-hmm. Had you so, seen that in your parents? Is that where you got picked that up, or not? Well, you know, the interesting thing was, I wasn't, I didn't, I actually didn't see that in my family. Ah, um, okay. I'm, I never figured out where I got that belief from, <laughs> but <laughs> this belief really contaminated my relationship. Yeah, because yeah. I would be with a partner where she had no idea this was even going on, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So, you know, I had, and I had a lot of negative coping strategies. So uh-huh. one way I would do things that I wanted to do is to just 
not tell her. And I was like, okay, I don't know if she's going to be okay with me doing this or not. So I'm just going to do so it without just saying anything. And when I oh, say that, yes. Now yeah. I want to. I need to emphasize. I wasn't doing something bad. It's not like I was cheating right. or you know, yeah. <laughs> it's not that it was it. a bad thing. It's just that I was afraid that she might not like whatever it was. So I would yes. just, you know, try and do it on my own so that the question wouldn't even come up. I, I was afraid that she would say, oh, I don't want you doing that. And then it's like, oh, well, then I won't be able to do it, right? Yeah. So there's this feeling of being trapped and controlled, even though she wasn't controlling, you know? Right. So, so you can you imagine how that can play out in a marriage. Correct. That was your so own self-imposement. It was my own self-imposed thing, exactly. And, but it caused problems in my relationship. So you can imagine yes. here I am doing something and my partner thinks I'm sneaking around. In a sense, I sort of am. Yeah. And so there's, there's this feeling on her part that I don't know what he's doing and it's making me uncomfortable. And it's, but it, for me, it wasn't because I wanted to do something bad. It was because I didn't know if I'd be allowed to do it. I got and it. So, but it's still, yeah. but it still created problems in the, in the relationship. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's other things if you have a variety of, of painful experiences growing up with classmates, <clears throat> you know, school, <clears throat> excuse me, anywhere, we can become very guarded around our heart. So it makes it hard for us to be fully open-hearted with our partner. We may feel yeah. very open-hearted in the beginning, but as we settle into a long-term relationship or marriage, then our, our childhood guardedness will kind of rise up again and we'll find our hearts pretty closed off. And makes it hard to be very open and loving to our partner and also very hard to receive our partner's love. Yes. So all of our different fears and negative beliefs around intimacy that have nothing to do with our partner now, because we had mm-hmm. these before we even met our partner, right? Right. Will then play, will then play out in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's going to impact our partner. Yes. And it's also often the case that our partner will have complementary fears and limiting beliefs that then interact with each other to cause it to escalate to the roof. So I'll go back, for instance, if, you know, the fears of abandonment versus fear of engulfment. It's often that two people will get together, they have the two, you know, the other fear, right? So mm-hmm. somebody with, with a fear of abandonment will pair up with somebody with a fear of engulfment. Well, this will create that distancer pursuer thing. This is another source of it. So it could be um, the emotionally unavailable parent thing. I gave you that example earlier. But if for some reason somebody had a fear of abandonment, not because parent was emotionally unavailable, but there was painful abandonment experiences they had growing up, and somebody else right. had fear of engulfment because of maybe a parent was kind of engulfing, like too smothering, things like that. Right. Well, then that person who has a fear of engulfment will tend to need a lot of space, right? Need a lot mm-hmm. of time to themselves. They'll tend to push the person, to hold the person at a bit of a distance. And that's going to trigger the abandonment fears in the other partner who will then get kind of clingy and <laughs> or whatever. And you'll get that same vicious cycle going where they'll push the person with the fear of engulfment further and further away until finally the person with the fear of abandonment kind of gives up and then they pull away. And then the person with the fear of engulfment is not feeling engulfed them anymore. And on the contrary, they feel like they're starting to lose their partner. They'll, they'll come rushing back and go, whoa, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> you know, come right. back, come back. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's another version of that kind of thing that's more general, uh, but it creates yeah. this big mess in our relationship. So, again, this is these underlying things that have absolutely nothing to do with our partner. 
Right. And yet it really messes up our relationship and our marriage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. again, we want to heal these things and heal them fast, right? I have a fast right. way to heal this stuff. Yeah. So can one, I know you address this, but really can one uh, go through EFT and tapping without the partner going through that? Because it seems like they would still be playing the game where we, the one attending your your workshop or one-on-one coaching would be addressing our issue. Well, ideally it's great if both people do it, but yes, I would think you so. can make it. Yeah. But you can make a huge uh, improvement in your relationship or marriage, even if just one person does it. So let's go back to the yeah. example of the person with the fear of abandonment, and the fear of engulfment. Yeah. Well, the person with the fear of engulfment, um, if they heal that, then they're going to enjoy being close. Now, the other person still has a fear of abandonment, but they're going to, they're not going to get triggered any, anywhere near as often. They'll probably still get triggered sometimes. Because right. if the person who used to have the fear of engulfment wants to have a day to themselves, then it might trigger that person's fear of abandonment. But their reaction won't trigger that first person's fear of engulfment. They'll be right. much more fine. Right? I don't feel yeah. engulfed anymore because I've healed right. that. So if you're if yeah. you're feeling scared because of the being abandonment of being abandoned, you're trying to and you're acting kind of needy with me, I'll just be loving and reassuring until you feel better, and then I'll do my thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, or the other way around, if you heal the person with the fear of abandonment, when their partner takes some space, they go, okay, okay, no problem. It, right. It's not going to trigger their fear, so it's not going to become this big big drama, right? Yeah. So yeah. just just one person healing their side of the of the dynamic. Um, has a big improvement on the marriage. Mm. Um, but yeah, sure, it's definitely good if both people do it, but you don't have right. to. All right. So I know that how do you reach your clients? I know um, you have a website that has a lot of your programs on it, but you also have an offer that you're giving us today that uh, is free. So mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about how you work with clients first um sure and how do you do that well well, i work with clients primarily one-on-one using this Uh eft tapping thing to really quickly work through all these issues right um and i work with clients on the phone with skype with zoom um Mm -hmm. so i can work with clients all around the world yeah uh and i and in fact i have clients all around the world (laughs) um which is fun actually it's really cool to be able to do that if, we, if you can never get the time zones. <laughs> as long as the time zones are compatible, um, then it works. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so my website, you know, if people want to find me for one-on-one help or if they want to get my free gift, I'll start with my yeah. website. So my website is called single2soulmate.me. So it's not .com, it's .me, M-E. Mm-hmm. So single to soulmate.me. Now that sounds very much like it's oriented for singles trying to find their soulmate, which it is. So the site <laughs> is very much oriented towards that. Right. But the, the truth is, is that all the stuff we've been talking about that are negatively impacting your relationship is also the exact same stuff that makes it hard to find our soulmate. And yes. also then messes up our relationship once we do find our soulmate. So it's the same material. I just happen to orient the site towards singles. Yes. And I have a, um, I have a free 
uh, mini course. It's an email mini course that just consists of seven daily emails, and that's the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, called The Three Secrets to Attracting Amazing Love. Now, again, it's, the title sounds like it's for single people, but the concepts that I discuss in there um, are the exact same things I've been talking about. Even though they're described more from the perspective of a single person looking for love, it's still the exact same stuff. So yes. I, have, I do have a lot of people in a relationship uh, read the mini course, and they get a ton of value and, you know, of understanding yeah. and help by mm-hmm. reading it, even though they're already in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then do you also do um, trainings and workshops? Uh, well, I actually have a product called the Single oh, Soulmate Breakthrough Program. Yeah, uh-huh. it's a single to soulmate breakthrough program. Um, that's a like something that people use. It's a recorded program. It's a bunch of a whole bunch of audios. It uh-huh. helps people heal heal these kinds of wounds from childhood that are causing all these problems, right? Mm-hmm. The negative trait thing, the experiences that cause us to, um, you know, have all these challenges in our relationships. So a common challenge, for instance, is a person's difficulty be able to express and you know, and stand up themselves and have boundaries, as an example. Yeah. So there's, there's, that's just one example. There's a lot of different kind of relationship dynamics that people struggle with, and they all come from our childhood experiences. And then that's what this program is for. Uh, it's just, it's a program for people who want to do it on their own, and it's mm-hmm. uh, a very affordable program. So it's, I really created it for people who can't afford to do one-on-one work. The one-on-one mm-hmm. work is always going to be the best, but. If people can't afford that, they have this program they can do on their own that's uh, very affordable and can really help a lot. Mm-hmm. So if someone wants to do the affordable one, I mean the one-on-one, um, how do you normally do that? Do they leave their name or do they call you? Or I'm sure you have a calendar or something at your website. And, and do you use eft-alive.com or do they go to the single to soulmate.me. Um, you're right. I actually do have two websites. The other one is, is a website that's from the perspective of EFT, this technique I use. So uh-huh. it's EFT-alive.com. Actually, it works without the dash. EFT-alive.com also works. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's just more general. So oh, okay. Where I list all, all, all these different things I help people with. So I, I do right. mention on that site that I help people with, their, with relationship challenges and you know, a whole wide range of things, basically. So people can go to either one of those two websites. Oh, okay. And contact me through either site. Yes. Um, and just say, uh, one of the things I offer people, too, is a, a free 20-minute discovery session to discuss their situation, you know, right. their, very, their very specific situation and needs, and, and we talk about, you know, how we can go forward and, and heal all this stuff to right. dramatically turn around your, your, your marriage or relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been so packed. Oh my. It's great information. Very, um, very interesting. And yet it's so doable to heal some of those things that have caused us great difficulty, great pain in our relationships. It's just being aware and going back and using, as you say, the very effective method of EFT tapping to heal those early childhood pains. And 
That's very interesting. I would like for you to share a little bit about where Stefan is now in his relationship, uh, having healed yourself uh, many years ago, because it says you've been in doing this for 24 years. Is three of those your training years with that psychologist? Oh, I have a lot more than three years of training. I have about nine years of training. <laughs> oh, I know that, but I mean, does that include the the three years with the psychologist? But tell me well, that about was three years of healing. That was three years of healing. Yes, not, healing. Not training. Okay. Um, yeah. So tell me about how your relationship. I thought it was um, really interesting. You shared with Lauda. Lauda is your partner and mayor and wife now, and uh-huh. uh, how your relation bloomed and developed. And led you to a happy yeah. marriage. Well, so my starting point was first, I was having horrible relationship experiences. Uh-huh. And I had this one day where all of a sudden it hit me what was going on, at least in the general uh-huh. terms, uh-huh. which was I, I finally noticed my negative attraction pattern thing where I kept having these painful relationships over and over again. And I also got in touch with these fears and limiting beliefs I had around being with my ideal partner. Right. So that's that's what got me started on my own healing journey so that I could finally be with my love of my life, right? Yes, yes. So that it, unfortunately, that you know, EFT was not available back then, so I worked with traditional like, psychotherapists using mm-hmm. more traditional methods, which, you know, very slowly and gradually helped me address all these things until mm-hmm. I was finally able to succeed, which I did. Yes. You know, I, I, I yes. met my wife-to-be, uh, Lauda. She's from Argentina originally, living in the U.S., and mm-hmm. we actually met salsa dancing. Um, <laughs> and uh, for the first two months, for the first two months, we just saw each other weekly at the dance. We danced together. And then after two months of dancing together, we finally went out on our first date. And then by our third date, we knew that this was it, that this is my soulmate and we wanted to get married to each other. And uh, nine months later, we were married. Mm. And this is, it was, it was all this healing work that I did that made it possible. Uh-huh. And it's become a, a passion for me to help people either find their soulmate or save their marriage. Because a lot of people f- manage to find this wonderful partner for themselves, mm-hmm. um, and then it gets all messed up because of all this childhood stuff, yes. um, which is yeah. just heart-crushing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a, a tragic ending to a, such a beautiful beginning. Yes. And it's particularly tragic because it's addressable. It's healable. Yes. So mm-hmm. – that's, so it's become my, my life mission is to help people in both situations, right? Finding yeah. a soulmate to begin with, plus addressing what would otherwise mess up their relationship after they do find their soulmate. Mm-hmm. Or people, it's like, okay, they're already in a relationship and they're really, you know, crashing into these problems that are messing up their otherwise good marriage. Yeah. And yeah. so that's, that's what I spend most of my time doing. Ah, I think that's <laughs> wonderful, Stefan. You're saving so many lives and, and in turn, saving the, that marriage so that their children are seeing healthy marriages. It, it just perpetuates. I mean, you're affecting so many people. So I appreciate very much that you were able to come back and do this, this second show with us today. And, and, uh, I look forward to sharing the message with not only my audience, I'm also encouraging my audience to share it with their loved ones, anybody that is struggling. And I tell you what, we can count those 
friends on our fingers that have experienced this type of pain in relationships. So thank you very much for being with us today, Stefan. It was my great pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right. So we have another week before we will talk and visit with a new guest. And I hope that you've enjoyed and you found Richmond rich, riching parts of today to help you create the relationship that you want to live in. Now, that is part of my mission as Joyce Buford empowers, giving on second wind the empowerment back to you to create that life that can be exemplary, exemplary. I can't say the word, but anyway, you know what I mean. I want you to have the best and I want you to be the happiest. I want you to live effortlessly happy. So until next week, I ask you to go out there, share with your friends, but to also pick up something that you want to address this week, something that will make you happy, something that will give you joy so that each day is precious. Thank you for being here today. I look forward to next week. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com. Thank you.